Parenting is work, like a lot of work, and it can be easy to feel like no one understands. Well, as a mom of four, including two newborn twins, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that at the end of the day, we're all figuring it out as we go. You are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is, no, seriously, how do I do this? Our journey to motherhood is unique. Not everybody's story looks the same. Not everybody got married right out of college, popped out a couple of kids and were done by the time they were 25. I grew up though with my mom, you know, patiently reminding me by the time I hit 26, you know, honey, I had all three of my kids by now. Well, I ended up having my first daughter at 28, another at 30, and now I'm, I'm 34 and I'm about to have the twins. Rebecca St. James, who I'm sure you're familiar with, started in music decades ago. She didn't even meet her husband until she was in her 30s. She became a mom much later. And maybe you're in that situation as well. You came to parenthood later and you understand that hope deferred concept. Maybe you always wanted to be a mom. You weren't sure if it was ever going to happen for you. That's what Rebecca went through. And not only did she go through that, but she experienced loss as well. And now she's pregnant again at 42 years old in this journey it's a constant one of having to turn to the Lord in trust. And so I can't wait to introduce you to her, to hear her story, the encouragement she found, how she was able to lean into the Lord in those moments. Because here's the thing, you might feel alone in your journey right now, but you're not. We're all figuring it out as we go, right? No, seriously, how do I do this? But I'm here to tell you, like I am every single episode, that you are not alone. Rebecca, one of the reasons I'm so excited for this podcast is because I get to say, congratulations, girl, on your pregnancy. We are in this together. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm 34 weeks on Sunday. So I'm like, uh, like, yeah, I mean, I'm really big. Uh. Oh, at the time of recording this, I am still 31 and a half weeks only but measuring 41 and a half weeks. So yeah, I get it. Totally. <laughs> oh my goodness, girl. Well, you're feeling big. Yeah. You're feeling very similar to me, but just even more so. <laughs> yeah. I went in for a hug with my husband yesterday and I had to turn sideways because I didn't fit. So yeah, that's totally, where we're at right now. Right. Like I feel like I bump into stuff, you know, I'm like, kind of misjudge how I can get through things. And <laughs> At this point, it's kind of like a cruise ship trying to navigate a really tiny harbor. Yes. It doesn't always go well. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to be able to chat with you, Rebecca. And, and I'm excited because I've been listening to your podcast. And one thing that I learned about you is that you are a coffee girl. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, yes. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. I love my coffee. And I think part of the coffee thing for me is it's it, it's generally a communal experience too. Like getting a coffee with a friend is so sweet and fun. And I don't know, I, I love people and I love connecting and it, it's less about the coffee. I mean, I do love the coffee, don't get me wrong, but it's more about the hang that happens around the coffee and it, it invites community, you know? In honor of you, I am drinking coffee right now. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've already had my morning coffee, but yes, not very long ago. So we're kind of having that, that communal moment too. <laughs> I'm drinking. You're digesting. The coffee is there. It's fine. <laughs> I love it. Oh, now I, I'm really interested in talking to 
Rebecca St. James, the mom. And I understand that, you know, you have a few kids of your own, but even before that, well before that, you have been around babies your whole life. You were the oldest of seven children. Yes. That's right. Yes, exactly. Yep. Now I'm the oldest child in my family as well. I mean, not of seven, not nearly. Okay. How how many? I'm the oldest of three. Okay. Yeah. But so I, I wanted to know in what ways, Rebecca, would you say that you really adhere to that oldest child syndrome? Like, are there stereotypes that have played out in your life being the oldest? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I've read that the book, the uh, birth order book by Kevin Lehman too. And I feel like it's so true, you know, often, I mean, and, and obviously there's, there's people that kind of break the mold, but generally the birth order that you are born in really does impact you as a person pretty heavily. Uh, and for me, the whole like responsible, but almost to a fault, oldest child, like is definitely a thing for me. Like, I just feel like I just, like, I, I just feel over responsible for things, you know? So, um, and then very task oriented kind of type A. Um, I'm, if you understand the Enneagram, I'm a three with a two wing. So I'm, I'm pretty like driven when it comes to like being task oriented and, but then I'm a two, which is a helper. So I'm very relational too. So it kind of eases, eases some of the (laughs) the intensity of the three. My siblings would, would have definitely called me quite bossy growing up, but I think as they got older and I got older, I, I, I eased out of that into just being friends with my siblings. So what about you? Are you, you're very, very much that too, or are you a little bit more Not at all. I am, I'm looking at the list even right now. I'm going through some of the characteristics, reliable, conscientious, structured, cautious. (laughs) I mean, this is not me at all. I was probably the most free flowing, chase the butterflies kid out of all of us. Really? Wow. And I found that side of myself, but it has everything to do with me being a mom and nothing to do with me being an oldest child. Interesting. Well, girl, you broke the mold. That's so fascinating. Usually that's a good thing. I don't know if that's the case here. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. You grew up in, in in this big family where I would only imagine being around seven children total. So six younger siblings. You kind of took on some of that mom role probably pretty early helping out with the kids. Is that fair? Yeah. My parents actually say that they had so many kids because I was the second mom. Like I, I, I mean, they said, <laughs> I, I think they would have stopped about at about four had I not been kind of second mom and like helped, you know, like just pitched in so much. Uh, so my brother Luke and my brother Josh and my sister Libby kind of, you know, oh, their existence to me, something like that. <laughs> yeah, they do. Girl, don't let them forget it. <laughs> we, we joke about it. So when you when you grew up, did you always want that for yourself? Did you always see yourself having kids or, or a lot of kids like your family oh did? Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I used to like even from the stage say that I wanted eight to ten kids. I I, I wanted to beat my mom. Have <laughs> have more than more than her. But um yeah, I mean that that ended up not being kind of God's plan for me, just in kind of getting married in my early thirties and starting having children later in life. But I just feel very, very blessed to have my husband and now nearly three kids. I mean, it just, I just feel like God's been extraordinarily kind 
uh, and generous to me and and redeemed those years because there was some years of um, kind of that hope deferred makes the heart sick kind of loneliness for the season that I'm living now with my husband and and family and uh, so yeah it was a dream from very young like I don't ever remember not you know having that dream of being a mama. Now, looking back at that young, bright-eyed Rebecca, maybe fresh on the music scene, 14, 15 years old, and, and her excitement and her hope for having this huge family, how would you say your prayers changed over the years? Where You know, you, you had this vision for yourself, and as you did get older, were there ever times that you doubted that maybe this isn't the path God has for you? And what did it look like being a 30-something, Rebecca, praying into those dreams? Yeah. Um, yes, I, I definitely had to stare that in the face that this may not happen. Um, you know, that, that dream that I'd had since just early, early childhood. And, and that was very challenging. I mean, I think I, there's, there's a song actually of mine on one of my albums called I can trust you. Uh, and I, that song in particular ministered to me when I would sing it because it just says, God, it hurts to give you what I must lay down. But when I let go freedoms found, God, it hurts to give you what I've held so dear, but because of your love, it's clear I can trust you. I can trust you with this and I can trust you with me and I can trust you. So it was like entrusting that dream into his hands and just acknowledging that he knows best. Like at a certain point, I had to come to this place of going, if there was some reason that I couldn't possibly think of, of why I shouldn't be a wife and mom, um, that he knew that I didn't, I just had to trust his heart um, for me. But it was hard. It was really a, a, a very difficult um, place of surrender for me. But, you know, I, I think I think deep down, you know, I knew that God had birthed such a passion for that, that I knew it was most likely that, I, that he was going to bring that about. Um, it was just more, you know, that that season of waiting can be so difficult. That season of being in between um, mm-hmm. and just surrendering to God in that time. It was de- definitely very challenging, but he, he brought me through and I, and I will never take it for granted that I'm a wife and mom ever, like b- because of that time of the, that it was so long in, in the waiting. You know, when I think of Abraham and talk about waiting a long time for yep. a promise that God made to him, yep. especially as women, we are, are a lot better at letting other things go. Like there's something in us that when there is that desire to be a wife, to be a mom, I feel like that is just one of the heaviest things to be able to lay down on the altar and say, Lord, thy will be done. And then I think when it does happen, the other element for me is to not cling to what he has blessed me with. Like my mom said, pretty early in her parenting. So I think she just had baby number three. Um, So it was my brother, Ben. Uh, She had a couple couple women around her. It was SIDS. Um, So they lost their their children, you know, very early on, like like three, six months, you know. Um, And so she saw this happen to two women in her church. We were living in Sydney at that time. And she just... Got really crippled by fear. Like, what if that's the story that, you know, is going to happen and play out for me with, you know, my newborn child? What if, what if I lose my child? And she really had to go, she felt called by God to go through this process of surrender 
um, surrendering her children back to God um, mm-hmm. in that time in her life and and recognizing that her kids were God's, not hers, and she was to care for them and she was to, um, you know, she was obviously given, her and my dad were given charge over us, but we actually belonged to God. And so she went through two days of kind of grieving that letting go, like to, to that kind of abandonment of like, they belong to you, you know what's best for them. And, um, and you've got this whole journey planned out. And, and it was a very, very powerful, like surrender moment for my mom in her parenting, because she sees that that was a crossroads. And she was actually freer as a parent, because she had given her kids to God to that level um, uh, early on. And she wasn't coddling and she wasn't fearful in her parenting because of that moment in time. So it's been a real, even just hearing her share that story has been really powerful for me because I'm attempting to do that in my parenting, just consistently giving our girls back to God and just going, Lord, they're yours and you know what's best for them. And I trust you with them because I, I want to be that parent that's like surrendered and acknowledging that they belong to him and free because of that. And that is so hard because the world tells us that surrender is a sign of weakness you know, that you surrender the battle when you've lost. But then scripture tells us the opposite. You know, scripture says that when we surrender, God can step in and do his thing. And it might take us a while to get there, but in the end, it's always worth it. Yes. For you, you, you'd been praying for decades. You'd always had this dream. And then one day you walked into a party and you saw your husband. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about that experience. Um, so I was living in LA at that time. I was, uh, still doing a little bit of music, but actually doing quite a bit of film work at that time, some acting and had moved out to California really for that reason, um, that I felt God was calling me into, uh, film and acting as well as music. So, so I'd been attending this philosophy group. And so I met two guys there as a part of that philosophy group that I became friends with. And they actually introduced me to my husband at this other event. It was like a, my husband was working in film at that point and film and TV. So it was a rap party for this TV show that he'd been working on. And me and his two probably closest friends in LA at that time ended up just kind of going to that party pretty late in the night. We, our eyes met kind of across the room. And I remember just feeling that sense of connection. And we ended up talking for that whole event. And it was just, I, I left that party going, I like that guy. Like I, I'm admitting to myself that I really like that guy. And usually I wouldn't. Usually I, you know, took a little while to even admit it to myself. But I, I liked him instantly and felt like there was something very special there. And then it wasn't too long after that. I mean, not in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't too long after that that you guys were married. And yes. then you started a family. And so yes. you're really starting to see, you started seeing these prayers that you've been praying come to fruition. Yes. And you had your daughter, Gemma. Yes. How old is Gemma now? She's six. Okay. So how old were you when you had Gemma, when you gave birth? I was 30, I want to say 36. And I know you have nothing else personally to compare it to, but how did that journey look different from you starting in your your mid-30s as it may have for some of your friends who started way earlier? Yeah, my best friend had her first 
uh, baby at 22. So yeah, very, very different life. Uh, I went into parenting very confident and feeling like I was really well equipped because I had been the oldest of seven and in some ways like being second mom already and like helped like raise kids. And I think the shock for me that first year, especially of parenting was just how many, many decisions there were and how many different choices there were to do with every part of parenting. And and I, I think I had this philosophy of, well, if you read all the right books and you kind of get your head together on the front end and you're diligent, then you're just going to know what to do and you're going to feel confident. And there was just so much insecurity that I had to work through in kind of um, parenting myself and really being responsible for this little human life. And my husband was working um, so much that first year. He was gone a lot for his work and traveling a lot in his band. And so I was doing it solo a lot. So I just think. <laughs> that was the, probably the big shock for me. It was just like, oh my goodness. Yeah, this is this is now on me. I'm solely responsible. And the weight of those decisions was pretty intense. So uh, second second time around, I feel like I'm being much more of a relaxed parent and third time probably even more so. Um, but yeah, it was a kind of a steep learning curve initially. Yeah, so that was, I, I, it's one thing I actually do want to get to is, is how has it been different? That difference between that first child where you said you did all the research, you had all this anticipation and probably a laser focus because you didn't have anyone else you needed to worry about. Yeah. You had Cubby, but you didn't have another kid. So how is it different one to three? How is your journey looking specifically different right now? Well, I'm even, I'm even comparing like the potty training experience. Like first time around, I was like, oh man, I got to be on this. And I was putting like tremendous pressure on myself to like, you know, make sure the potty training thing just went really, really well when we potty trained Gemma and then, you know, and reading multiple books and finding the right book and, and all of that. And just now I look back and I was like, was I just trying to be super mama or what? Like, what was I trying to prove to myself about, you know, like it's got to take this amount of time and we've got to do it fast and we've got to like do it right and all of that and figure out the secret to this whole thing. And we're now potty training Imogen who's two and it's a just a whole different thing. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, it's probably can take a while, and it's just it's a different approach. Yeah. You know, I, obviously, I, I I'm still that oldest child that kind of wants to get it right and wants to be like responsible, but I'm just much more laid back. Like, you know, she initially was potty training well, and then she kind of regressed, and and I think my husband like and I are both like, okay, well, we're about to have our third child. I've got a new album coming out. I'm working on a podcast. We're renovating our house. I think we can just kind of table this whole potty training thing for a little bit and wait till she's a little bit more older, like a little bit older and a little bit more motivated. But I think the first time around, it was more about maybe my performance as a mama. And this mm -hmm. time it's just like, you know, each child is just going to have their like different journey with some of these things. And it doesn't reflect on my value as a mama. I think I just have a different perspective on it now. Amen. And you know, it's child by child. Your third might be the easiest to potty train out of all of them. I mean, it's it's hard yes. to say. With my second, yes. potty trained really easy at, at first, but she's three and a half and we still are struggling at night. And yes. it's gotten yep. to the point where it's like sticker charts, candy, bribery. Okay, like what's it going to yep. take? Let's oh, get let's there. <laughs> use it. Absolutely. 
let's look at the tools and try it. Oh, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I mean, and there's a million guidebooks out there, but there's not really, right? There's no handbook for parenting. It's, no, seriously, how do I do this, right? (laughs) Yes, and every child, like you said, is so different too. So you just, you don't know until you're kind of in the thick of it and you're trying it. Like what, what particular tool in that tool belt is going to work for that child with that particular thing? I mean, from food to sleep to potty training to like all the different things, it's just that child is unique and is absolutely one of a kind. And, and my, my mom says, I mean, she's definitely my mom mentor. And she just says like, you're to be as a parent, you're to be a student of your child and to really, you know, like allow God's wisdom to inform you as you study your child and, and help them through life. So yeah, it's definitely like a daily learning experience, isn't it? Oh, 100%. (laughs) Now, Rebecca, you are very soon about to have your third child. And while this is to be your third child, this this was not your third pregnancy. Yeah, that's Would right. Would you be willing to share a little bit about that journey with us? Because I think there are so many that could relate to this part of your story. So many. And and I think that that's the thing after having experienced miscarriage and how hard that is and actually, you know, choosing to be quite open about that journey. So I have spoken publicly quite a bit about it. Um, I think I've realized just how many women have experienced that too and how common it is. And I think because it isn't talked about a ton and it feels for a lot of women like a private place of shame, um, you know, I, I think that that's in part why I have felt really passionate about talking about it because I think women need to know that they're not alone and this doesn't need to be a place of of shame or that they're, you know, just islanded by that. So, yeah, for me, I you know, we started trying to have another baby about when Gemma was a little bit over a year, I suppose. And we had been plunged around that time into a difficult season already. And so it was kind of a transitional vocational season for my husband. And so there were just a lot of unknowns and both he and I, I think, working through kind of just internal challenges and then there was family challenges going on at that point too like it was just a lot that was hitting at once and then in the middle of that existing winter I miscarried and I just it was so blindsiding to me I had I had no idea that that would be a part of my story my mom had seven kids and no miscarriages so I just kind of didn't think that that would be me and um and then I miscarried again so it was just a, a really, really difficult season and and a lot of like feeling like my body had failed me in a way. And most of the time you don't know what happened, right? And, you know, my doctor had said it was probably something that that was wrong, you know, with the embroider that made it not grow, but it could have been my body. You, like, you just don't know. And so I think there was just this feeling of like what happened and why and, yeah, just not trusting my body for a little bit. Like, I. This had happened so easily the first time. It was just a very, very difficult time. And I think struck me too at the core of my femininity. I think uh, there was a vulnerability in that like most like sacred part of like my identity too. Like my, my femininity, my body was made to do this. I've already done it. And then, and then this happens like what I don't even, I can't even get my head around it. So it was a process, a time of kind of grieving and 
moving through that winter and just my husband and I both like just trying to open our hands to God and trust him in the process. Um, but he's just, God has just brought us into such a new season right now. And even my new album is called Dawn, you know, and I, and I feel like it's, it's so representative of the spring that God brought after the winter and the, um, dawn and the sunrise that he's brought to our lives after the, uh, night of the long night. So even this album, like that journey and how deep that winter was, has really informed my writing and given me a lot to like write from that feels really rich. So looking back, he's redeemed that pain. Um, that was definitely like very, very challenging at the time. And I just, I hurt for any women that might be listening that are in that because um, it is really hard. And I just encourage them to trust God and to turn to him in the pain and also really involve community, involve really solid Christian community in your journey. And just don't try to do it alone because we just weren't built for that. We weren't. And I, I love hearing the the hope in your voice. And I love seeing where the Lord has brought you. Now, when you did end up pregnant with Imogen, then after this season and you are expecting your rainbow baby, um, was there fear there? Was there a period where you're like, Lord, please don't let this happen a third time that you had to bring to him? Very much. Yeah, both both times. I mean, I think anytime you're pregnant, there's there's a vulnerability of you know, you don't know exactly how things are going to go. So it's, you're facing the unknown. But definitely after miscarriage, I was more vulnerable. And I think both pregnancies with Imogen and then this little baby boy um, that I'm carrying right now, I had to kind of come to this place of just, especially first trimester, just saying, thank you that I'm pregnant today, Lord. Thank you that you have allowed, and I'm I'm getting a lot emotional just talking about it, but just like, thank you for today that this child is growing within me today. And, um, I'm just, I'm just grateful for that. And so, yeah, to be kind of at the point now in pregnancy where the baby could be born now and, and most probably be perfectly fine. is just very strong sense of relief. Um, but then you battle fear too. You don't know how delivery is going to go or any of that for baby or for me. So it's just a daily a daily trust thing. I mean, I think in every area of our lives, it's all about trust. I appreciate so much you saying that. We're we're going through something right now that's um, similar but different. Uh, yes. I, my, my sister and I uh, were on this journey together. It was very exciting. Right before my husband and I found out we were expecting, uh, she announced that she was, and that was a huge surprise. She was 10 weeks ahead of us. And um, we were just excited to the thought of raising our kids together and having these cousins yes that we're going to be so close. And we ended up going in for our ultrasound and finding out we're having twins and they're going to hate listening to this later, but it was, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't great news at first. (laughs) We were so shocked. We were so overwhelmed. You know, we're doubling our kid count and we're just like, Lord, uh, this wasn't the journey we thought you had us on. And then struggling that our first reaction wasn't gratitude, you know, feeling guilty for that. And so we're still weathering that, you know, just coming off the news that we were having twins. Uh, when about four or five days later, we find out that my sister's baby had anencephaly. Oh, wow. Which is to say that his brain never developed and he wasn't yeah. going to make it. And a week and a half later, she ended up delivering him still at about 22 weeks. 
and you pass that 20 week mark and you're just like, okay, we're going to make it, you know? Wow. Oh my goodness. How devastating. It's right at that point where you think, okay, I can breathe easy now. Everything's going to be fine. I was able to be there for the confirmation ultrasound. I was able to be there when she delivered. You know, I got a hold and, and meet my nephew and it was beautiful, but it was also the hardest thing any of us had ever gone through. Oh, for sure. And I would be lying if I said that leaving that place and going to my next ultrasound that I didn't sit there crying the whole time and apologizing oh, and, and yeah. trying to explain why that the last time I sat in a room like this was for my sister. Yeah, you know, we've gotten yeah. to the point now where we are <laughs> very excited for the twins, but I know that I'm carrying with me still this anxiety that is probably going to crop up again when I end up in the delivery room because there's just that association and that fear. Was there something specifically that comforted you, a verse, a song, something that really helped drive you back to God in those moments where you were just anxious? You know, it's going to just sound super simple because I don't think there really was anything like super specific like that. Um, Not necessarily a scripture, but more just this idea of that the entire Christian life is trust. Like the entire Christian life is realizing that we're not in control, like, and, and that God has us and that he has good for us. And sometimes life with its curveballs seems to like say something other than that. But I think we just have to come back to in those moments of fear, just like that he's trustworthy and that he's proven himself trustworthy and my brother Luke um, did a did a podcast with me recently on pain, and um, you know he and his wife have just been through so much like that's been traumatic. She nearly lost her life; he nearly lost lost his through sickness, and then they very very nearly lost their little Leo um, to SIDS. I mean, he just stopped he stopped breathing and. So, um, and then came back to life in essence. So, I mean, they have this miracle story, but like massive trauma. And he just said, and and then they miscarried as well. So it's like, they've gone through so many, so many different challenges. And he just said, when the miscarriage happened and he was talking about it, he was getting kind of emotional on the podcast. He just said, I've never not known God to be faithful. He has always proven himself faithful. And so I have to trust him in this situation too, that he's going to, be faithful and redeem this as well. And so I think that that, that's the kind of truth that I feel like I've just had to come back to is, yeah, the the unknowns are really scary sometimes. And I've got to be honest about that, but, but God is also trustworthy and he can redeem anything. And that is scriptural that, you know, he can work all things for good and for the good of our relationship with him and the good of our character and for his, his glory, he can redeem anything. And so it's, it's, it's so encouraging to be reminded of that. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your heart today. I, I would just ask one last question is, what would you say to that woman who's listening right now, who's maybe feeling like her opportunity is slipping by? You know, she's, she's in her thirties. She wants children, doesn't have any yet. Or maybe uh, she's prayed for more and she's not quite sure that's going to happen. And she feels this call on her heart, but she's struggling. What words of encouragement would you have for her? I think that we just like we need to not be alone in it. I think part of the lie of the enemy is that that isolation when we're in pain is the way to go. And I think you know, I think a lot of us have probably learned a lot about 
isolation and the pain of that in 2020 too. Like just like I think a lot of people have felt kind of lonely or apart from community just because of the nature of this year. And I think God built us for community and he built us for relationships. So I just encourage that woman that's in the middle of that just to be really honest in safe community um, with with friends, with, with church family, um, with somebody that you're close to, maybe a counselor too, of just what you're walking through and and let that come to the light because I think sometimes when we when we withhold that you know and and kind of store it up on the in on the inside it can just end up I don't know just kind of breeding this this fear or this shame and I know that God just wants us to live in the light and so I just really encourage um, women to just go to God first, obviously, and then just trusted Christian community, just be in that journey, because it is really painful, it is really hard, just go to that community and those safe places um, with your pain, because we were just built to do life together. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for sharing with all of us today. And thank you so much for taking the time. And I know that I'm speaking for myself, but I also believe I'm speaking for everyone when we say we're going to be praying for you Girl, we are going to be praying for that Thank little boy. Thank you. I'll be praying for you too. It's so exciting. So exciting. The awesome thing about God is that we are invited in. We are invited to share with Him. This is what I want. This is what my heart desires. Lord, please hear my cry. And and He heeds that. And yet He has a plan. That no matter what we could ever ask for is infinitely better. And in the case of Rebecca... She wasn't sure how her story was going to play out. And that was nerve wracking for a while there. But you know what? She'd never go back and have it any other way now that she sees how God worked. And if you are in a position right now where you haven't seen the fulfillment of your prayers, you're still wondering what's going to happen. Be encouraged to know that we serve a faithful God who works all things together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Thanks for joining with us today. If you want to connect on a deeper level, you can always join us on Facebook. Search for No Seriously, How Do I Do This? at facebook.com or shoot me an email to summer at seriouslyhow.com. <laughs> and as always, remember, you are loved and you are not alone. <laughs>